Greetings, my excellent friends. Bill, what? Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. on in Wild Stallions. Hope you guys all had a great weekend. We had a home game, Sean, for the Salt Lake Stallions. I'm just now flying out. I'm well aware, Jake. Jake, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to be with you, my good friend Jacob Hatch. I'm Sean Walker. This is the Wild Stallions podcast. And even if nobody's listening, we're still here podcasting. Okay, Rod Woodson. Well done. Uh, Rod, yeah. son of wood. Yeah, that was not the... Not the smartest thing. I always assume your mic is hot, as they say in the business, and Rod Woodson caught uh, making a comment during the studio portion of the AAF broadcast on Bleacher Report Live, which was the game that was featuring Salt Lake. Uh, not a great thing to say. Nobody watching, nobody listening, or however he said it. Yeah, it's not a great way to pump up the league, so to say, if you're going to be one of the guys that's in the studio talking about it. And. I'm not going to call anybody out specifically or by name. If you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. But maybe if he were a certain local radio broadcaster, he could have gotten away with saying that. Because yeah. there was a time during the yeah. game when literally no one was listening. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but We'll leave that uh, there. Yeah, we'll just leave that there. <laughs> um, but I think a few people were probably tuning in on that BR Live. Which, by the way, were you aware before this weekend, Bleacher Report Live will be live streaming games for free of the Alliance of American Football? See, that's that's the question I had about that it. That was a nice surprise. Because I knew that Bleacher Report Live was going to be one of the broadcast partners, but a lot of their content is you have to pay for it. They we're talking the Champions League and the stuff that they broadcast. I was like, oh, I wonder if they're with the Alliance, if they're going to be, yeah, you have to pay for this. No, they're going to do it free. Which yeah, is, it, was, it was a free package all weekend. Yeah, it's a, so that's a big deal in terms of if you want to watch it that way. Um, Salt Lake, I guess we can start off with this. Looking ahead to this coming week, we can get this out of the way right now is that Salt Lake was scheduled to play on Bleacher Report live again this Saturday. It was supposed to be a two o'clock Mountain Time kickoff, but we found out just before we turned on the mics to start recording that that game has been flexed to 6 p.m. Mountain Time and will be on the NFL Network this week. So it uh, be a night game for the Salt Lake Stallions. Weather forecast shows rain and snow potentially in the mix, so that can make for an interesting thing, especially with a team like Orlando from the sunny state of Florida coming to Salt Lake. But I guess you, you look at it this way, Sean. It's a primetime slot for the Stallions this week. Yeah, and for the Apollos, it's a good thing they don't have a coach who likes to do crazy things on offense and throw the ball a lot, right? Oh, no, yeah, oh. never. Oh, wait. Never. Oh, well, no, it, it'll be interesting. But, but it's another national TV spot for the Stallions, yeah, exactly. which now, drum roll please, coming in one and two after picking up their first one of the year, mm-hmm. um, maybe that's a good move by the NFL Network. I don't think it's a bad idea, especially with how good the Apollos have been. And I think a lot of people, we, we had uh, Ben Kirchival on last week, and he said that Salt Lake is the best 0-2 team in this league. He said they were felt like they were on the cusp of getting a win. They got the win, of course, and that's what we're going to talk about here, Sean, is they got the first win in franchise history, beating the Arizona Hot Shots 23-15. to uh, There was fans in the stands at Rice Eccles Stadium, despite the cold and the wind. Uh, they announced a crowd of just north of 10,000. I think you and I would agree, Sean, that number is a little closer to probably half that, but 
maybe. But the good news is when I was in on the field towards the end of the game, it was a pretty loud crowd, all things considered. It was, it was yeah. And and there was there was kind of a collective uh, huh in the press box <laughs> when they announced ten thousand yes. fans at that gate. Uh, I'm certain that's ten thousand tickets sold. Yeah. Or uh, given away. Which is fairly common. yeah, sold or given away, I guess, in this case. And that's fairly common across most sports. It's really hard to track actual fans through the gate, so they track tickets sold. Yep. Um that's not necessarily something against the Stallions or against the AAF. Uh, it did not look like 10,000 fans. You and I, Jake, have both been to Rice-Eccles Stadium, uh, both for University of Utah games mm-hmm. and also for high school football games. Yes. Um, the Utah High School Activities Association holds the state championships and semifinals there every year. Um, I have seen more fans at a high school football game at Rice-Eccles Stadium than I did Saturday for the Salt Lake Stallions. Yeah, you're right. Um, and that's fine. This is a slow build. I give major props to the fans who were there. You guys, like you mentioned, you guys were loud. You guys were boisterous. You guys were engaged. You knew what you were doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't see, and and I will take this away from those high school crowds, I didn't see a little bit of this that I'm doing on my phone, playing on the phone, yeah, texting, yeah. whatever, only occasionally looking up. They were fully there. Um, so the fan base that was there was great. Uh, it was awesome. It yeah. was a little bit limited, though. Yes, it um, was. And that, I mean, in some ways, that's disappointing. We'll see if the Stallions can maybe build up a little bit more. I think coming into this game, 0-2 took a few people aback. Um, and also, this market doesn't have a very good track record for professional football. True. Utah Blaze aside in the old Arena League. Um, so some people are a little jaded. Some people are still feeling a little bit bitten. Um, I do think the, that these attendance numbers will get better. Um but for a first Saturday, I'll give it an okay. I don't think yeah. I, can gi- I don't think I can give it more than that. Um, it was okay. It was fine. Like I said, the, the fans that were there were great. Um, but let, let's see if we can grow that number, get more people out there, more people out to the game because it was a great game. And if you're a Stallions fan in particular, it was great just to come up, finally get off the schneid, get a win, get a little bit of revenge against your rivals, yes. the Arizona Hotshots, 23-15. So let's break down the actual football game now, not not just the stands. Well, I think the, the biggest thing was that Josh Woodrum is far and away the best quarterback on this roster. And I think we all kind of assume that entering this game against Arizona. He got injured in that the first half of their first matchup against Arizona in the season opener, misses the second game, and the Stallions offense floundered. He comes into this game, he ends up going to... 22 of 31 for a 178 yards, throws the one touchdown pass, a 25-yarder to DeMornay Pearsonell. I think that's the biggest takeaway is he gives the stability at the quarterback position for this team, and that is going to be a big-time difference maker if this team hopes to continue winning and make the playoffs towards the end of the year. Yeah, and he's a traditional pocket passer. He likes to step back and throw yes. the ball. And he had some receivers who really stepped up this week. Yeah. Kalen Clay, former uh, University of Utah standout for a year, was, uh, he was back and healthy. He had five catches for 27 yards. That helped a lot. Pearsonell, you mentioned, uh, really nice bounce-back game from some struggles that he had in Birmingham. Yes, you know, He wasn't great so. on the field yeah. there, but he goes out, catches all eight of his targets for 90 yards, and that score that you mentioned, first-ever AAF touchdown scored at Rice-Uncle Stadium. Yep. Um, so he will always be in in those history books. Um, but the story of this Dennis Erickson offense, and we've talked about it the past two weeks, and I think we need to talk about it this week, was the rushing game again. <laughs> uh, okay. Joel yeah. Bonyan, 
Buonio. Buonio. I'm going to yeah. struggle with that name all year. I'm yeah, sorry, right. Joel. Joel Buonio. Joel Buonio and yeah. Brandon Oliver. Uh, 95 total yards, a touchdown apiece. Uh, really running the ball very well, very solidly. Uh, Salt Lake outrushed Arizona 95-66, to 66, mm-hmm. which I think is very good. And they were good runs. They weren't... They weren't Kind of well, happy dance type runs with one caveat though. With okay, with one exception. This came in the second half mainly because the first half, holy smokes, it was tough sledding for that rushing attack. It opened up in the second half, and that's the good news that yeah, it ended up yeah with 95 yards on the ground. But they need to be better running the ball from the get go going forward. They've struggled with this for three games, really kind of getting that ground game established. They need one of these games where they come out and really start running from the get go to really help themselves. But you know the number that I was most impressed with on in in the ground game, Jake. Okay. Um, it was a goose egg. A zero, and that's the one in the turnover mark, yes. turnover column. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this run game has been prone to some oopsies, uh, yeah, some dropsies, yeah. a mm-hmm. couple of uh, fumble ruskies, even. Yes. Um, they didn't have any of those this game. They were clean. They kept the ball secure, even when they weren't necessarily picking up a ton of yardage. They were still running hard, but holding on to that football very well, being very. Again, Dennis Erickson, like yeah, very much so. Um, Greer Martini had the one turnover in the game. I uh, picked off John Wolford on the first play of the second half. Just snagged the ball right out of the air when Wolford went to pass it, and Wolford ended up injured on that play. Missed the rest of the game after that, and I think the it shows Sean that shout out to Katy Perry's boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, Trevor Knight had to come in in relief, and he started like 0 of six, 0 of seven, I believe, on for his first six or seven pass. Uh, as an Arizona hot shot, but that interception right there, and I, Dennis Erickson credited it in the post game. He said that interception really kind of turned this game. He said felt like it was just a key turning point, and he felt like it was something that really helped his team. Uh, Greer Martini had a great great game. Him, Gianni Paul, and Trevor Riley all tied for the team lead in the game with a combined eight tackles. Game high. All of them had eight, and Greer but led led uh, with the seven solos. So he gets the lead, I guess, overall in terms of solo tackles. But it was a good defensive effort from this team because we've seen Arizona, especially in that first game against Salt Lake, they carved them up pretty good. They took care of business on the defensive side, got their first win. Yeah, and this defense is really growing into itself, kind of growing uh, like a teenager growing into its body in a, li- oh, yeah. in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. This, this uh, I, I think this Salt Lake Stallions defense is starting to mature, starting to go through puberty, I guess, if we're <laughs> going to take the analogy all the way there. Um, it's growing into itself. The first two weeks, it felt itself out maybe a little bit awkwardly at times. Yeah. You know, there was hair popping up in places that they didn't quite expect. Now I think you're starting to feel, you know, they're getting a little more comfortable around girls asking, you know, they're going to be going to the prom soon. Before How far you- are you going to carry <laughs> this thing? <laughs> as far as I can. As far as I can. It fits with the whole Bill and Ted thing, it is San Dimas High School rules. Hey, San so. Dimas High School football rules. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, but you're you're seeing, I mean, you're just seeing this this defense really just get better week to week to week. Yeah. And we talked to Will Davis about that a little bit last week. Yes. Um, he, said, he said as good as the Stallions defense was week two against Birmingham, they took a massive step from week one to week two. He said he still feels like this defense hasn't scratched the surface. Well, guess what? They got even better. Um, Saturday against the Hot Shots, and I feel like this defense still has room to grow. They still have, yeah. you know, they can still get get um, uh, kind of further off the block and 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 just do more things to just make things easier 
on the offense. Well, some evidence of that, Sean. Of course, in the game, um, the hot, the Stallions ended up with three total sacks, one for Mike Purcell, one for Carter Schultz, who was just an absolute terror on the edge. This guy is getting double teamed all the, all the time now. He's been great. And then the other sack um, came courtesy of Luke Car- Carriz. Carrie Zola, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that. It's correctly. another name we're going to struggle. I with. know exactly. Sorry, but, Luke. So they had the three sacks officially in this game, Sean. But the other number, QB hits. Got, times quarterbacks got hit from Arizona ten times. Salt Lake got to him. And that's, I think, the more important thing there is the QB hit number. Carter Schultz had two hits on him. Um, Chris Odom actually led the way with three quarterback hits of his own. So, But Tenny Palapoy got in the yes. game. Trevor Riley had a really nice mm-hmm. hit, uh, head and hurry there on a blitz. I yes. mean, they, they were getting that pressure from everybody. And that's, and that's where the growth, I think, Sean, this past week came from, was the ability of the front seven or the front just the defensive front in general because the rules in the AAF prohibit you from bringing more than five guys on blitzes and whatnot and you only can bring them from certain angles and certain places but generating that pass rush we could go into a whole other yeah. podcast about this rule the, by the way I have a lot of thoughts about it but I'll refrain yeah but it but the, the simple fact of the matter is that Salt Lake generated pressure got to John Wolford he ends up getting injured they also got to Trevor Knight in this game and that bodes well when you go up against the old ball coach who really likes to have some fun throwing the ball down the field yeah no I mean this looks like a completely different Salt Lake Stallions team from the one that played week one at Arizona that the Hotshots really took advantage of especially uh, especially in the second half, and that just goes right back to your point that this team is completely different with Josh Woodrum than they are without Josh Woodrum. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, no disrespect intended for for, uh, for um, Linehan and, and Austin Allen and, and uh, even when B.J. Daniels comes back healthy and that sort of thing, I think these, I think they're all great quarterbacks and fine quarterbacks in their own right. But there's just something different and dare I say something special. I think about Josh Woodrum and I didn't necessarily buy it in the preseason. Uh, Dennis Erickson saw this pretty early and he he kind of. Uh, hinted at it and highlighted it several times when we talked to him during the preseason. Um, I didn't always buy it because I maybe I don't, I don't know if it's I just didn't fall into this FCS quarterback from Liberty and who is he and he Joe Flacco's backup okay practice squad guy in the NFL whatever. Um, but there there is something about him that's just really good. He's got um, and they use this term in college football a lot. You'll recognize it, but he's got it. He's got that it factor. He does. In a lot of ways. Well, I think the one of the, the biggest evidences of that to me was the two-point conversion play that Salt Lake converted late. It gave them that 23-12 to 12 lead. Well, he's, he, he st- takes the snap, kind of drops back, and doesn't see anything to begin with. But then he um, does kind of – he scrambles right. And he, he moves right. He allows his receivers to make a play. And then he throws a dart to the corner of the end zone. I think it was to DeMornay Pearsonell as well Pearsonell. on that play. Yep. And he just throws an absolute dart, hits him, and it's a two-point conversion. I know that they kind of, well, not they kind of, I know that they um, drafted B.J. Daniels in that quarterback draft. For him to kind of be that specialist two, uh, two-point conversion uh, specialist quarterback for them, he gets injured, but I think it shows now they don't really have to necessarily lament the fact that he got injured because if you have a guy like Josh Woodrum who can make plays with those two-point conversion plays, because that's a big part of this this league with no extra points, if he's able to make plays like that, that really does help. And he's a big body, too, 230 pounds. You don't see many quarterbacks built like Josh Woodrum. Yeah, no, not not at all, not at all. Um, Josh Woodrum actually talked to the media a little bit he did. after this game. He did. Uh, that's another place that I really like this guy. He's a great interview. 
Great interview, very poised, very polished, knows how to handle himself publicly, um, great with the media. Let's actually play some of that yeah. uh, right here. Slip that in so that you, the fans, Wild Stallions Nation, hashtag Wild Stallions Nation, um, can listen to Josh Woodrum uh, after the Salt Lake Stallions' first ever home victory in the Alliance of American Football. You talked about the last game. Would you say this is one of the more intense kind of already developing rivalries in this league? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, that, that first game uh, was, was real close. I mean, we lost by two scores. And, uh, you know, we really we really felt like, you know, we beat ourselves and let, our, let ourselves down in that first game. And then uh, that second game, we really feel like, you know, we should beat Birmingham and let that one slip. So today was, you know, a huge statement for us to just, you know, play well all three phases and put a complete game together. What did you think of the crowd response today? I thought it was awesome. I mean, um, everyone said Salt Lake is is going to be excited to have a team. So um, it, it was great to, to have a big fan base out there. They were loud on third down. I think it gave them some problems. And anytime you're playing at home and the crowd is cheering for you and you can do do something good and booing when the other team, you know, does something good or, or whatever the situation, it always, you know, gives you some energy. So to be on the road the first two weeks, you know, is obviously not ideal. But, uh, you know, we couldn't be happier to get this one today. How important improvement have you seen from week one to now? Uh, you know, I think more than anything, we're just meshing as an op- from an offensive perspective. I think we're just starting to learn how each other plays and, and, and play well together. Um, you know, obviously, we only had a month in training camp, and, uh, you know, we had one preseason game. And, you know, from that, our starters didn't really play the whole game. We kind of played a quarter, maybe a half. So um, getting these three games under our belt, now we kind of know how each other plays. We know what to expect from each other. So, um, you know, I think it's just it's a bumpy ride, but it's starting to smooth out a little bit for us. How important was it for you guys to get this win? Just finally get one under your belt. Oh, it's huge. I mean, going on zero and three was was not even, even in the question. I mean, we came in with the mindset that we're there's no way we're going to lose this game. We can't go zero and three. So, um, you know, being at home, we didn't want to. You know, obviously, we, we never want to lose a game, but we for sure didn't want to lose our first home game. And um, you know, everyone came out with with intensity. And like I said, coming back at home, you know, it give it gives you sort of a sense of pride playing at home. You know, it's tough to play on the road. It's tough to win win football games on the road in professional football. So. Uh, we were excited to get back home. Everyone, you could tell when we got off the plane, everyone was in a better mood. You know, just the sense of morale boost that I, I felt like it really helped us today. So DeMar Pearson had a really good game today. Talk a little bit about the chemistry you guys have. Yeah, he, he's a really good player. You know, uh, we had some stuff in for him this week. And, um, you know, his his first week, he kind of, you know, struggled a little bit. But that's what I said, up, ups and downs. You know, everyone has ups, everyone has downs. But the, the biggest thing is that we all rallied around each other and, you know, made plays when we had to. And, uh, you know, DP's a great athlete. You know, that touchdown run he had was awesome. I mean, all I threw was five yards and he took it the rest. So makes my job easy when, when, when guys make plays like that. All right, there you go. Josh Woodrum after the win and you can tell he's an upbeat guy with the win because you he, he heard him say no there was we we were not about to let this go to 0 and 3 because you go to 0 and 3 and you face maybe 0 and 4 facing off against one of the best teams in the east this coming week against Orlando you're out of the playoff race like that. Yeah, I mean, that's basically a death knell in a 10-week season. So the win was important here. If they can pick up another win this week, they're back to 500. They're very much back in the mix. But it was a very important win for them. It was good to hear that from Josh Woodrum. Like you said before, Sean, he's a great thought. He has great thought-out answers. And he just... he, he 
I guess he's a he's a media person's dream because nothing's off base with him. Nothing is going to be where he's like just going to clam up on you. He'll give you a thoughtful answer to every question you ask. Yeah, thought, thoughtful, engaging, um, and uh, in in the press, we ask a lot of questions every day, day in and day out, and mm-hmm. we get a lot of cliches from those questions. Yeah, um, I haven't really heard much in the way of cliche from no. from Woodrum, which is really really refreshing. So yeah, Pro- one, props to you, Josh. We should get him on the podcast again. Yeah, we'll we'll see if we can work that out. We'll be out of practice this week. They're finally back here along the Wasatch Front, so it'd be a lot easier for us to get audio interviews, etc. So we're looking forward to bringing more of that to you here on Wild Stallions. Um, one parting thought here, Sean, before we go, is that currently through three games, the Stallions' offense averaging two hundred and fifty one yards per game. Just me thinking, I know it's pro football, but that number needs to go up. Yeah, that's very Dennis Erickson-like, though. It is. Once again, very Dennis Erickson-like. But this week, we'll, we're going to have another podcast later this week previewing the Apollos game. That number's They're prob- going to need a little more than that. You need a little more than that this week, I think. All right, we'll talk about more about that later this week. All right, Sean, we'll take a time out here. We'll come back on the other side. Got three other games in the Alliance that played out over the weekend. We need to talk about them and how they kind of shape how we look at things after week three of this season. That's coming up next right here on Wild Stallions. Welcome back to Wild Stallions. Of course, this podcast focused on the Salt Lake Stallions and the Alliance of American Football. And we, we, we would be remiss, Sean, if we did not recap the other games for people that happened over the weekend. That is right. So let's get right to it, uh, Jake S. Preston Esquire. <laughs> oh, God. We're still going with that nickname, really? My wife. My wife actually listened to this podcast. She's like, what did Sean call you? Okay. Oh, then as an aside right now, my wife has literally never seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It needs to be rectified and how, rectified quickly. How is she married to you? Well, I don't know, but... How did you date her for how, however long you dated? Especially her without, being a Southern California native? Come on now. Yeah, she, you you got to fix that. Yeah, we got to fix you that. You got to fix that. Anyways, let's uh, get... Send, us in, send yeah. us in to our Twitter feed, at wild underscore stallions, your uh, best date night movies. And if they don't include Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures... We'll uh, just throw tell them us, Yeah, tell us what they are. But yeah, we'll, we probably won't retweet those. <laughs> no, we do. I do need to rectify that very quickly. We won't work on that. Um, but Sean, three other games in the Alliance over the weekend. And... Outside of one, I, okay, yeah, I, one, I really thought they were going to be better games, but the game that really surprised me that ended up being the best was one of the ones I thought was going to be an absolute dumpster fire just in terms of one team curb stomping the other, and that is the Orlando-Memphis game. Uh, Memphis was at Orlando. It ends up 21-17. to Orlando wins this game, but I thought Orlando was just going to absolutely crush Memphis, but one key turning point in this game, Sean, I think it may have turned the, I guess, the tables for Memphis, because I'm guessing they're probably going to stick with this going forward, was that Christian Hackenberg was poor once again for the second time in three games. They benched him in favor of Zach Mettenberger, the former LSU product, and Mettenberger almost rallies his team to a victory. So I'm thinking Mettenberger here is going to be the starter going forward until he proves he is not 
the right option. Yeah, Zach Mettenberger, it's really hard to ignore him uh, now anymore. 9 of 12 for 120 yards and two touchdowns, including a 40-yarder in the fourth quarter that uh, that pulled the Express within 21-17. to 17. And, and I'm completely with you, Jake. I really thought we were looking at a comeback and, and Orlando was going to walk away with its first loss right here because that was, I mean... This this Memphis team was just night and day different as soon as uh, as soon as Hack went out mm-hmm. there, and I think a lot of Memphis fans can now take a little bit of optimism, knowing okay, well, maybe the ha- Christian Hackenberg experiment is over. Um, if nothing else, I think you need to ride out Mattenberger and see what he can do in a full game now. Give him a chance there. Really, you've got nothing to lose at this point, and it looks maybe this is a limited sample size, but it looks like. Like maybe Med is is the guy now, yeah. like, or like he should be the guy. Well, Mettenberger was a guy when he came out of college. Was thought of, yeah, you bring this guy and you develop, and he can be he can be a legit NFL prospect. He's got the body. I believe he's 6'5", 230, 240 pounds. So he's everything you want in a quarterback in terms of measurables. But it didn't pan out for him in the NFL. Maybe he gets his opportunity now to establish himself as the starter uh, for Memphis. And I really do think it's going to be a turning point. And I do feel for a guy like Christian Hackenberg, a former second round pick in the NFL, just not. Even able to get it done plain and simple and that's unfortunate but this is pro sports sean this is not a meritocracy you go out you win games you get the job plain and simple and granted i know memphis didn't win the game but mettenberger proved he can get stuff done on the field yeah and hack i really like hack i, I remembered him in penn state and he was just absolutely electric i re- i thought he was going to be much better coming out of college he's had a lot of opportunities though and mm-hmm. he just hasn't done much with them yeah um and i hate to say because i loved watching this kid in college so much but how many opportunities are you finally going to get Mm, i'm not thinking too many more here so we'll see what happens we'll see what we'll see if mike singletary agrees though (laughs) it's true that is a good point yeah mike singletary will be the ultimate decider here all right sean uh, let's go to the next game here and these are the two games on sunday the early game was birmingham at atlanta uh birmingham rolls to a 28 to 12 win i think we all expected the iron to win this game uh, I think the most notable, well, there's two notable things from this game for me, Sean, and you can go which way you want with either of them. Number one, Atlanta, hot garbage. They are struggling big time. And for one of the, I guess, and I'm not I'm not going to say an anchor franchise, but for a franchise in one of the biggest cities in your league, for sure. that's not good. And then the second thing, Trent Richardson, another three touchdowns on the ground for the Iron. His uh, career resurgence, and I'm not sure it's necessarily a career resurgence, but he's showing well in the early part of this season for the Iron. Yeah, no, 100% on Trent Richardson. I mean, he's in the case right now for, uh, as we're coming up on the midway point of the season here in the next couple of weeks, Trent Richardson got to be in the discussion for first half MVP, if you yeah. will. Garrett Gilbert's probably American in the football. mix there. Uh, sure. I, I mean, I'd maybe throw even a guy like Josh Woodrum in there in terms I'm, of overall value. Yeah, sure. Um, but I I just, I feel you with Atlanta. They're just, they're, they're not... They're not playing very well, and they're not playing very competitively. And it's not—I don't think it's that they don't have as much talent as the rest of the league. Because like I look at guys, and there are flashes where they're capable of making plays. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just—it's no secret that this front office was in a little bit of a mess for about for the month, month and a half or so of preseason, losing, uh, losing their coach, losing their offensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, it for a while. You know, there were questions about whether or not they would have a complete coaching staff and complete front office uh, there. 
by the time the legends kicked off and I think it's catching up with them a little bit on the field because they again the talent is there there are flashes of really good moments and really competitive football but it's putting those flashes together play to play quarter to quarter half to half game to game um, that's just not working and I think ultimately that falls on on the head coach's shoulders no, it does, and that, and see, so that's uh, going back to what I said on the previous game. Is this is a meritocracy? You get the results, you get the job. So, Atlanta's got to do something, got to figure it out. Because I'm with you. I think they have some talent there. They're in Atlanta for crying out loud. They've got all the Georgia schools or who are allocated to them. It's similar to what Orlando has. Orlando has all of the Florida schools allocated to them. There should be no shortage of talent. Birmingham has got all the Alabama schools. I think half of their roster is former Alabama Crimson Tide players. Yeah, in particularly one Alabama school. Yes, yeah, the Crimson Tide, plain and simple. But there should be no— Shout out to the Blazers, though. Yeah, the Fighting Trogdors. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Fighting Trogdors. Well done. I like that poll. But it, it, it's important for this team to show that they ha- they can do something because I don't think this league necessarily wants um, a team to go, let's say, 2-2. and two and eight in their first year of existence. And we don't know. Maybe maybe Atlanta will figure things out, but it looks like right now they've got a lot to work on. Birmingham, on the other hand, they very much play in the same mold as the Alabama Crimson Tide, running the ball, grinding out yardage. Trent Richardson with the three touchdowns, and it's full steam ahead for Tim Lewis in Birmingham. Yeah, and I will say, in in defense of Atlanta, they have had a very tough opening three weeks of this of the season. Um, obviously, they lose to Birmingham this past week. They open the season just getting blistered by Orlando, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of teams are going to take losses to Orlando. Um, we'll talk about this later, but maybe Salt Lake, maybe we'll see. Maybe yeah. Um, and then uh, and then week two, they also took an L. Um, took an L. Fortnite reference. There. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I had to. That's okay. Um, But they also took an L to San Diego, which suddenly the fleet are looking like a a pretty demonstrative demonstrative contender in the Western Conference after this weekend's 31 to 11, pardon the pun, I'm going to say it, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, boat racing (laughs) of the San Antonio Commanders. It's true. Um, And I think this is an important uh, result for for San Diego. It was their rematch against San Antonio from the opening night loss that they took in San Antonio. And you're right, it was a boat racing. I know that we have the San Diego fleet and it's an easy pun to use, but I think it's important for Mike Martz's team to have gotten this win because it shows that, they, hey, they've got some talent. Uh, Philip Nelson looks like the answer at quarterback after Mike uh, Bercovici ended up not being the guy on opening night. And I really like what um, San Diego is showing. Um, Jaquan Gardner, hopefully I got his name correct, 83 yards almost untouched. He got nicked by a safety who tried to make a desperation tackle. He busts up the middle. That run, the longest in AAF history, was just absolutely phenomenal to see. Yeah, and and a run that was so far up the middle, it looked like one of those kind of four yards in a cloud of dust. Sort of a, what's the call, what's the call, what's the goal? Oh, that's a call. Okay, there we go. Uh, Type of a play, really making something out of nothing and a whole lot of something. Jaquan Gardner, um, do we do we give out do we give out a AAF Player of the Week uh, sure. awards on Why this not? podcast? Because he might have my nomination for AAF Player of the Week. Uh, five foot seven, maybe, and two hundred five pounds out of Humboldt State, the powerhouse Humboldt State. Yep, if you will. 
Um, but man, I mean, he was he was just electric. Obviously, had the longest run in Alliance of American Football history. Finishes the game with 122 yards on 12 carries. Helps when you get 83 on one. Sure, one sure. hit. That but helps. yeah, no, it's an impressive showing for him. And like I said, San Diego. It's good to see them kind of getting back to the basics, getting things figured out. And I think it makes for, I think we've got a pretty balanced Western conference. It appears all of a sudden, Sean, Uh, I think in the East, we have two very clear leaders in terms of Orlando and Birmingham leading the East. But I think in the Western conference, all four teams are very capable of winning a game on any given week. It appears at least to me right now through three weeks. Yeah, no, 100%. And I, and I feel and I'll eat a little bit of crow right now, Jake, because you and I, we both weren't buying into the Stallions hype coming up uh, last weekend against the Hot Shots. We I was afraid nec- we were going to see 0-4. Yeah, we didn't necessarily like their chances right there. Yeah. All of a sudden, I think Salt Lake is, is right back in the mix with this conference. Um, you've got San Diego that, that's just looking like... Uh, should we call them the top dog? Do we dare start to call them the top nah. dog? We're three weeks into the season, yeah. so I'm going to hold off on all of that a little bit. But yeah, I mean, just the parody in the West. Uh, and we're talking about parody, I guess, amongst four teams, so I apologize here after but three weeks. There's still parody. But, yeah, but, absolutely. but there's there's just there's so much parody here. Um, it feels like any team in the Western Conference really can be any other team on any given Saturday or Sunday, I guess for that matter, whatever, uh, whatever day of the week they yeah. play. Um, and we're couple weeks removed from uh, Salt Lake and San Diego, which might be a little bit of a snap bubbler, but we'll get to that down the road. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, One thing before we go here, Sean, we're going to wrap things up here, is I forgot to say, we saw our first official onside kick. I'm using air quotes. The onside conversion. Conversion. Of course, so the rule in the alliance is that it's it's a fourth and twelve play from the twenty eight yard line. You get one shot at it; it's one down to get that yardage and get the ball back. Well, Atlanta did get it. We we saw an attempt for it in the Salt Lake game, but um, Arizona was not able to convert. They did complete the pass, just did not get the yardage. Well, Alliance, uh, so in Atlanta, they threw it deep. The receiver comes up with, I think it was like 40-some-odd yards was the conversion because it was a deep ball that was completed. But we saw our first official conversion of an onside kick attempt. And I know that we shouldn't be calling, I guess, the onside kick attempt, but that's what it is. The onside conversion. Onside conversion. Fair. Yeah. I like that. Yes, yeah. that should work. Uh, I just barely pulled up the highlight again. I believe I'm counting 48 yards on that conversion. Sweet. Um, and I think you're going to see that a lot because we saw uh, in the first onside conversion attempt uh, a little bit of an attempt at kind of a mid-range pass, like just sort of barely yeah. try to get those 12 yards and go. Um, and I think you're going to see teams sort of uh, stack that area, that sort of 10-yard area there to try to prevent the conversion. Well, that could open up the long ball, which Atlanta capitalized on perfectly. Um, and I say perfectly on that play because then on the next play, they threw a game-ending interception. and. <laughs> Birmingham salted away the clock. Yeah. So ultimately, it didn't really matter. Uh, But if you haven't seen this conversion attempt, um, this is, I I dare say. So I was watching this game with several friends, um, and we were all wondering if if Atlanta was going to pull off the impossible and come back and beat beat Birmingham. Uh, When this conversion attempt happened, I audibly yelped, (laughs) got out of my seat, and audibly yelped. Nice. At this conversion attempt. 
it was it was really good. Uh, certainly, and certainly something that I think the Alliance of American Football can capitalize on in terms of marketing and bringing in new fans here, um, and that sort of thing. So, um, we called Atlanta the Atlanta Legends probably the worst team in the league, and I still stand by that. They yeah. are also winless, um, but yeah, a little bit of a clap Absolutely. for that conversion. All right, Sean. Well, let's wrap this up. Any final thoughts from you before we go? I guess we should give him a programming note that we will have a, actually a second podcast later this week. It will be a preview of the Apollos and the Salt Lake Stallions on their game on Saturday, as well as we'll look at the other three games in the Alliance this weekend. So we're going to try and do a bi-weekly podcast uh, setup going forward. Now that, the, now that the Stallions are in town, it's easier for us to get some audio and whatnot, so we feel like we can break it up, do recap episodes, and also preview episodes. So Yeah, and if you've got anything that you want to hear on on this yeah. podcast, we are very we, we try to be a little bit fan inclusive, fan friendly. Um, talk to y'all on Twitter and uh, go ahead, send us a tweet at wild underscore stallions. That's stallions the way God intended to spell it with a Y. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, we're now on Facebook. Yes, uh, at wild stallions is the Facebook page. No underscore on that one. Once again, stallions the way God intended it to be spelled s-t-a-l-l-y-n-s uh drop us a line over there twitter or facebook um jake was in charge of getting the instagram account set up but he failed so i'll try to do that this weekend and get us on there (laughs) you're so much more tech savvy than myself let's put it (laughs) that way but uh we're slowly growing that brand um and uh i've got a little bit of a giveaway that i want to i want to do for our fans okay Should, should we do this now or should we do this next podcast at least you can tease them, I guess. Do you want to do it, it now? Yes, tease them do with it now? Yeah. Okay, so uh, don't tell the Salt Lake Stallions, um, but I might have pulled a couple extra inaugural Salt Lake Arizona Hotshots game posters ah, from okay. the stadium. Um, I don't think they'll mind. There were several. No. They were trying to give away a whole bunch of them. So I got a couple extras. Um, I've got two extras in particular. Uh, game posters from the inaugural game last Saturday. Uh, it's a pretty cool poster. You saw it, Jake. Yeah. I think you got one. You, I did get you one, yes. one or two. Um, but we're gonna get we're gonna give two of those away. Okay. All right. Here's how we're gonna give two of those away. So Wild Stallions Podcast, we are on Apple Podcast slash iTunes. We're on Stitcher, we're on Google Play, we're on we're on everywhere. Um, but we really need your guys' help at growing the brand, growing the game, growing the pod, mm-hmm. try to get more people interested in the Alliance of American football. And we're not asking for money. You know, we do this out of the goodness of our own hearts, which is great. Um, Shout out to a couple friends of ours who help us with recording and and studio space and that sort of thing. Um, But we're not going to ask any of you guys for money. But one thing that we do need um, are ratings and reviews. So open up your Apple Podcasts app. Go find us, Wild Stallions, at Stallions with a Y on iTunes. Hit that subscribe button. Many of you probably already do. But while you're there, if you could leave a rating and a review, um, and I literally don't care what you write in these reviews, especially if you leave five stars. Like, if you leave five stars, you can literally say whatever you want. Maybe try to leave my mother out of it. Don't (laughs) insult Jake's wife. But you can make fun of me all you want. That's fine. I know I have a weird voice. Um, You can make fun of Jake. Just leave his wife and children out of it. Absolutely. Um, That's fine. So leave us five stars. You can say whatever you want. We're going to pick two of our favorite reviews after that. Um, And to our two favorite reviews, we'll give you guys a couple of weeks to kind of figure that out. But our two favorite reviews, we're going to hook you up with a uh, Salt Lake Stallions Arizona Hotshots inaugural game poster just for helping us out to grow the game out there. Hey, it's a collector's item, so get on it. That's right. 
That's right. So head on over there to iTunes. Search Wild Stallions Podcast. That's Stallions with Y, as always. If you're listening, you know. Um, leave us a rating and a review. And two of you lucky folks are going to get that poster. We'll figure out a way to get in touch with you um, after that. But you got to leave a review in order to be eligible. Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. With, for, with that, we'll leave it there. We'll be back later this week with a preview edition of the show. Hopefully have an interview or two. And like Sean said, if you have something you want to hear from, let us know. At Wild Stallions, let us know who you'd like to hear from. And we will do our best to get that interview for you. All right. I will sign off now. I'm Jake. He's Sean. Have a great day. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes! <laughs> <laughs>